Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And this week we did a fun little movie swap where I watched one of Carrie's favorite movies that I had never seen and she watched one of mine. That's right. And it was very interesting. I'm excited to talk about them. But first, as a reminder, we're almost at the one year anniversary of our show and we're still conducting a survey to find out what you want to hear more of as we enter year two. The link to the survey is in our show notes for this episode and we'll also have it available as a link on our Twitter account which is Pause Pop Podcast. I also want to give a little shout out to the Cast Perilous podcast, which since the last time we interviewed creator Jeff Hessel has actually dropped. Yes, and very soon you'll get to hear the debut of my character. So you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. I'm very excited. Just gonna say. (laughs) (laughs) But now we're on to our movies for the week. And we couldn't figure out (laughs) which order to, to talk about them in chronologically by when they were made or chronologically by when they were set because that's the thing that we talked about so we flipped a coin (laughs) and nine to five came up first so yes nine to five is one of kw's favorite movies that i had never seen before so i watched it and i'm gonna let kw tell you a little bit about it if she wants to (laughs) sure so this came out in 1980 so even though I am the elderly crone on this show, I was very little when this when this came out. But I, I remember seeing it in, uh, I did think I saw it in the theater, but I know I saw it a lot on VHS and on cable when I was little, and even probably on network TV. It stars Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, and Dolly Parton, and they are all office workers whose boss, played by Dabney Coleman, is a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. (laughs) And they're fighting against systemic workplace sexism and sexual harassment and even corporate malfeasance. And so it's a comedy, in case that wasn't super clear. And a lot of silly, silly (laughs) things happen. So, okay. So what did you think? Well, I had heard of it before, but I had obviously never seen it. And I actually thought it was going to be more serious than it was. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not sure why, but um, I thought it was really cute. It was a lot of fun. It was very silly. Some of the parts got very, it made me very anxious because I was like, oh no, they're going to get caught. But <laughs> <laughs> so if the listeners haven't seen it, they all work at this company and they, <laughs> they hate their boss. So they have this. They smoke pot one night and they just go around talking about their fantasies of how they would like get back at him. And then Mm -hmm. Lily Tomlin's is that she would put rat poison in his coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next day she actually goes shopping during her lunch break and has to get rat poison and Sweden's Sweden, Sweden, what's it called? Sweden. Oh, I think it's called skinny and sweet. Skinny and fake. Skinny and sweet. Yeah. Yeah. But they, their boxes look very similar, so she ends up accidentally putting rat poison in his coffee, and he drinks it and falls over, hits his head, gets taken to the hospital, and through a series of events, they think he's dead. So <laughs> <laughs> they try to cover it up by stealing his body, but it's not his body, it's someone, <laughs> it's someone else's body. And <laughs> And then there, there's a very nosy woman in the, in the office named Roz who will lurk in the bathroom and listen for gossip. And they're talking about it the next day when they, they know that he's not dead. 
but they're talking about how they accidentally poisoned him and she brings it to the boss who tries to blackmail them and um they end up kidnapping him and <laughs> and like holding him hostage in his own house <laughs> and they like rig up this system where he's in like all these restraints but he's also restrained to a they install a garage door opener in his bedroom <laughs> so he can like so he can move around to the bed and to the bathroom but um if he gets out of line they can press the garage door button and he like he gets hoisted up to, toward the ceiling <laughs> <laughs> it's very very silly but i thought it was really cute i i liked all three of the actresses erica watched it with me and for a while at the beginning i was like jane fauna reminds me of someone and we decided she looks a lot like elizabeth banks does currently oh yeah yeah so that was kind of funny and yeah they're all really endearing characters i really love dora lee who's played by dolly parton Mm -hmm. and i thought i don't know how to phrase this exactly but um sometimes when you get silly movies like that they're just silly but Mm -hmm. i thought this one was really well put together like there were a lot of things that happened toward the beginning and then they got callbacks or they came back in a significant way later on like like the garage door opener because violet lily tomlin's character has to install one in her own house early on and then she ends up doing that later so i just thought it was it was really kind of well put together and obviously it talks about a really important issue and one of the things that i thought was cute and ironic and funny was um at the end well so they keep him hostage for like a long time, like six weeks. <laughs> and during that time, they implement all these changes at work. And then everyone, everyone becomes like much happier and productivity goes up by 20%. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to spoil the ending. But yeah, I just thought it brought up some really cool and interesting things about the workplace and like productivity and, and employee happiness. And there was a lot of deep topics tucked into a sort of silly exterior so it was was a lot of fun yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it i for whatever reason i mean maybe just because it is so fun and there's a lot of layers like that was my favorite movie not my only favorite movie i have a lot of favorite movies in different genres but Mm -hmm. i have watched it so many times that i can like play it in my head as you're describing Nice. And I saw the um I saw the musical live okay. a few years ago and that was very good. The other thing that may make some listeners jealous who are fans of this film is that I went to Dollywood. Oh gosh, it's been like twenty nice. years now. I was also there. What? I also you went were to Dollywood? Dollywood when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Okay. We both went to Dollywood. <laughs> we both went to Dollywood. I remember that I saw Dorley's outfit in the little museum section, though. The very iconic, like, white dress with the little green sweater that mm-hmm. she wears with her little scarf. And I was, like, way too excited to see that there. <laughs> and also, it was so small. Like, everybody, yeah. I don't know, like, she's a very short, like, <laughs> s- small woman. So it was yeah. just it was just cute. So, and yeah, and I think that, too, that that's probably, this film probably influenced a lot of other pop culture interests of mine because it is a validly overtly feminist mm-hmm. and there's no there's no love story and it's three women doing comedy together it passes the Bechtel test absolutely 
So I think that that probably was a very early influence for things that I looked for in pop culture later. So yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I really did enjoy the main friendship between all three women. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's later like foreshadowing Grace and Frankie with uh, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. So that's, that's, this is their first team up. And I would love to see Dolly be on Grace and Frankie at some point, but we'll see if that ever happens. Yeah, that would be very cool. But yeah, I think it's it's just fun. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I love, even at the time, I do think that some of the fashion in it came off silly. I don't know <laughs> why, but their outfits are a little silly at points. So I, I'm not sure. I didn't pick that up, pick up on that because I don't know anything about 1980. <laughs> <laughs> it was an unfortunate time. <laughs> it was before I was alive. So, you know. It was unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So, yeah, let's move on to Pride and Prejudice. Do you want to give us a little background of that film? Sure. It's based on the Jane Austen book, obviously. And this particular adaptation is from 2005, directed by Joe Wright. And it stars Kira Knightley and Matthew McFadden, as well as a number of other lovely actors. And it's not, it's definitely not the definitive version of Pride and Prejudice, but I, I think there are a lot of good adaptations out there. But I picked this one in particular because it came out when I was in high school and it was just really formative for me. I really, when I was in high school, I was reading a lot of Jane Austen and, and books of that time period and a little bit later. So I was really excited for it to come out. And then when it came out, it was, it's a, it's just a gorgeous film. I love the way it's shot. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just kind of stuck with me all this time. So yeah. I'm excited to hear what you thought about it because I was I was uh, surprised that you hadn't seen it before. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that I had always meant to see. Often, like I really love movies, but there is something about a two hour and fifteen minute commitment, <laughs> especially lately since my attention yeah. span is COVID shot. <laughs> <laughs> That I just, I haven't been drawn to films as much as TV shows lately, but also I think it just was always like, oh, well, that's on Netflix. I'll catch it eventually. And so this was a really good excuse to finally sit down and watch it. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. The, the thing that's funny is that as, as a former English major and all this, I actually have not read a lot of Jane Austen. And I okay. can't remember if I've ever actually read Pride and Prejudice or if oh. I just have seen other versions of it and know enough in the zeitgeist because yeah. watching it and especially this version that seems like it's very thorough with its plot i'm like i don't think i've actually read this because i don't remember <laughs> some of these particular details so with her yeah with like all her sisters and stuff so i will say let me give a shout out though that my favorite jane austen film adaptation is sense and sensibility with um, emma thompson and kate winslet so that is fantastic which is fantastic and i guess i was a little bit committing this, the infraction of kind of comparing them a little <sighs> bit. But I know it's not even the same story. I don't know why I, I would know. be doing that. But it was beautiful. You mentioned it being beautifully shot. And I will talk about the cinematography and directorial choices in a little bit because I like to do that. But I thought Kira Knightley was very good. So to kind of give a very brief plot rundown, um, Kira Knightley is Elizabeth Bennett. She's got a lot of sisters. Her family is, this takes place in what, 1812, 1810, somewhere in there. I think actually like 1790, 99 or something, right oh, around okay. the turn of the century. 
turn of the that century. Okay. I think so, yeah. And her family is not very wealthy. They're sort of like shabby genteel at this point. They have servants, but their house is kind of a wreck and they're very rambunctious. Their mom is kind of kooky and <laughs> their dad is sort of like spaced out. He seems like he's some kind of is he like a a what is what is an insect person called? Like he's oh, into an entomologist? insects entomologist. But he reminded me of just kind of an absent-minded professor type, and he was not very present. Mm -hmm. And at a ball, the sisters all meet several potentially eligible men, including Mr. Darcy, Fitzwilliam Darcy, who is <laughs> broody and cold and mean. And so, of course, Elizabeth, who's the headstrong, kind of like fun heroine who is happy and jovial, like she's weirdly drawn to him, even though she doesn't like him. And it's a whole thing. <laughs> and I don't think I fully realized how much Bridget Jones' diary is based on Pride and Prejudice, but that's also very clear. Yeah. And over time, they, their lives sort of intersect and then, and then de-intersect at certain points. And he has apparently been doing kindnesses to her family, favors for her sisters socially without really telling the family and dispelling rumors unbeknownst to the family and when that's kind of a turning point that when elizabeth finds that out that sort of like makes him seem more appealing to her he's he does propose to her at one point but it's real not great like oh you're <laughs> you're gross and dumb and i still want to marry you and it's like um no you're not very nice to me and so it's nice to see it develop that she would forgive that and there is some i think chemistry between the two leads and some of the other sisters are fun like rosamund pike is her older sister and um she was very good i have to say i didn't love matthew mcfadden <gasps> as mr darcy okay i that's fine i know it's a controversial he okay maybe it reads differently now or or then but i felt like he very clearly had a wig on and it did not look good uh, okay yeah that's that's fair yeah, I think that distracted me a little bit. And but I think he's handsome. I just think that maybe he needed to be styled slightly differently and especially because I think they did a lot to style the women very appropriately and interestingly. Their clothes were really pretty, but it also felt kind of shabby in that way of like this is not modern times. Things are muddy. There's no roads, you know, everybody's riding horses or tromping across the muddy fields in the Yeah. <laughs> in the wet season and but that was very realistic and I, I liked that the music is very lush and beautiful and it is I mean this is classed as a drama but I think the book is comedic and there are comedic moments that are that are very sweet in that kind of proto rom-com way so I did enjoy that but to kind of go on the the directing and the cinematography and some of the choices made this was Joe Wright's first film and he's gone on to do other things was it really yeah. I had no idea. He is apparently inspired by David Lean, who's a director who made Lawrence of Arabia, which is one of the most beautifully shot films ever made. And I read that Wright was also into in, having his shots be inspired by classical paintings. Hmm. And I think you can really see that with how he uses light. Like, yeah. they're all lit very glowy. There's like a golden glow about a lot of the scenes and even the main movie poster it's very bathed in sunlight and 
you don't think of England as being super sunny, but I think they did a lot to to kind of maximize the natural light, or at least make it look like natural light. Yeah. Something else that I noticed, though, too, is that there were a lot of, for a film set in this period and, and made in the early aughts, there were a lot of techniques that reminded me of 60s cinema. Again, the, the influence of David Lean and this kind of epic expanse of showing a lot of scenery and a lot of landscape. But also, there was clearly an influence from older period pieces. There were things that were absolute call-outs to Barry Lyndon, which is a period film from the mid-70s directed by Stanley Kubrick. It was Stanley Kubrick's one and only like Regency period piece, and it had a lot of the same like expansive landscape shots, but also like really tight close-ups of people that made them look really attractive. And then the other influence was Jean-Luc Godard's uh, A Bout de Souffle, which is a classic of French New Wave film that really helped use the fast zoom. There's a lot of moments where like Elizabeth will have a reaction and they'll like do this weird, almost comedic looking fast zoom into her face yeah, to show her reaction. And that's right out of French New Wave. But it's also kind of a martial arts film technique too, because you want to show your, like Bruce Lee films would do that a lot to show the opponent's like sudden reaction to this change of mood that changes everything. So I thought that for, for this, most of the film looks very like, okay, this is what a period film set in this era would look like. And yet there's these weird little techniques at times that kind of make you go, oh, this is clearly made when it's made with these older influences that are from like mid, mid 20th century on hmm. that, that made it feel kind of not Quentin Tarantino-esque in terms of a mashup of influences because it's all much more subtle than Tarantino. And obviously, this is not a an action movie at all. Yeah. But I feel like he might have been influenced by the idea of cinematography mashup that gives you a sense of overall timelessness, but also modernity. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just never... <laughs> I don't know enough about film to have put those together, and I never really saw it like that. So that's that's very interesting, and... And now I'm like, oh, why didn't I look up the influences of the 9 to 5 director? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that that guy, I actually don't even know who directed that. Let's see. Colin Higgins. I don't know that he really did much else that, oh, he directed Harold and Maude, actually. That's kind of a classic, which I've ever, never actually seen. Foul play. He did more comedies. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. Of the two, I certainly think that Pride and Prejudice had a much, much more attention to detail, shall we say. <laughs> and that the point of it is is beauty on multiple layers. I don't know that 9 to 5 was trying to necessarily wow you with its amazing cinematography or anything. Yeah. So. But that's, I mean, that's the whole like film directing and, and filmmaking. You don't always have the same purpose and, and something right. could even be in a similar genre in some ways and certainly not not have the same things that they're emphasizing yeah and they're they're very different stories so even yeah. though they both center around women and to a certain extent a a small group of women mm -hmm. yeah they're they set out to do very different things so yes makes sense that they use different techniques yeah absolutely but i do think there are as you kind of said some common threads here that's subverting gender expectations of your time, this ensemble of women 
there are some dastardly men in Pride and Prejudice, but not not really that. Like, there's almost no real specific villainy going on. And that my only, like, negative on this is, like, the conflict is very low stakes. Like, I mean, I guess it's high stakes in terms of you want to marry the right person yeah. and in terms well, of just, some of these... Oh, go ahead. Not just marry the right person, but there's this pressure for them to marry well because yeah. they are... They are landed gentry, but they are on the lower spectrum of of class. Right. And none of the daughters can inherit directly, so they need to go through the male line. And they don't have any sons, so they either need to marry and have a son themselves or marry someone who can inherit, like Mr. Was it Mr. Collins? Was there... Mr. Collins, yeah. Oh, he was What awful. excellent boiled potatoes. <laughs> oh, good grief. Yeah. But that's Tom. Tom Hollander is a delightful actor, and I was like, oh! Oh, but he's that guy. <laughs> and I have to say that some of the other sisters that were not Elizabeth and Jane were irritating. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's fair. I think they are kind of supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and Judy Dench makes her patented cameo appearance as Lady Catherine de Boer. And uh, she was horribly mean. If there is a villain, like, but she's not really even in it long enough to make an impression of full villainy and then elizabeth just kind of she takes that that edict and then doesn't really it doesn't stick for very long so i also thought that mr and mrs bennett call each other mr and mrs bennett which i thought was i took me a long time to realize they were married but anyway that was just (laughs) interesting yeah yeah i think because of the nature of the novel it's a novel of manners and it is just about society in general. So there's there's not one specific villain, but there are different antagonists and, and people who are foils for, for each other. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's more about like how how all of them interact as a whole and how this uh-huh. antagonist gets in the way of, of Elizabeth's desires or, or plans and, and stuff like that. But I do I do want to mention that you brought up kind of that both of these films kind of involve a woman or a group of women mm-hmm. not just getting back at a man but like saying both elizabeth bennett and the three women in nine five are saying hey your behavior isn't cool but the difference is the boss is just like yeah i'm the boss and i can do whatever i want so their tactics mm-hmm may work out but they they, they're not going to work out because he has a change of heart but mr darcy on the other hand that first proposal is a turning point because she's like you're rude and you're entitled and and you do all these Mm -hmm. terrible things and he's like oh oh wait (laughs) yeah and then he sits and has this moment of reflection and he willingly changes his behavior which is why which is what catalyzes her change in her opinion of him so I think yes. I just thought that was that was kind of interesting that uh, deal with very similar things, but the men yeah. react very very differently. Yes, and I think that proves that. Well, I don't know. I think that in matters of the heart, maybe if we want to take an overarching theme here or some kind of moral lesson, in matters of the heart, there may be more impetus to look within and be a better person, whereas in matters of business. There is no incentive to do. I mean, there is a there is a change of behavior. There's not a change of heart, though. Yeah. And it's all about like what is going to be good for 
profit, not people. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think that maybe we can affect affect more change socially than we can in a professional setting. Or at least by the time, I don't know, I think these problems are still going on. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. That was super fun. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you liked it. I'm sorry you didn't like it as much as Sense and Sensibility, but I understand. I I was right up there, though, and I definitely did really enjoy it. I think I'm going to eventually at some point try to go back and, and read the real novel, because like I said, I think it's one of those like, it's so in the zeitgeist that I just sort of think I thought I read it and I did not. Yeah. So I will go back and read it. Cool. If you do get back into audiobooks whenever, you know, we start driving to work again, um... <laughs> <laughs> I, so I actually try to read it or listen to it once every couple years, and I mm-hmm. listened to it recently, and Audible has two new editions of Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility, and Rosamund Pike, who plays Jane in this movie, reads them both. Oh, nice. And so I really, I really enjoyed her, her reading of it. Cool. I might want to check that out. I might do that. I, I actually, last year, I did get through the, an audio full cast recording of Mansfield Park, which Mm. was primarily narrated by Felicity Jones, but also Benedict Cumberbatch and David Tennant were some of the other characters. And it was fantastic. So I definitely recommend that. Nice. So cool. Well, I'm glad I finally got to watch 9 to 5 too, because it's kind of been not as much in the zeitgeist as Mm -hmm. Pride and Prejudice maybe. I've always sort of known about it, but I never, like you said, never really kind of sat down to watch it. So I'm glad I've watched it now. Cool. Yeah. So next week, we are doing a little horror novel theme, and we're going to discuss The Outsider by Stephen King, The Carol Haunt by Darcy Coates, and the new HBO series Lovecraft Country. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And you can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast, where you can also find the link to our listener survey. You can also email us at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe. And join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. <laughs>